Welcome to Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host, my name is Marcelo Nestroza, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be looking at Lost, Season 2, Episodes 14 through 16. So first up in that batch is one of them. So Matt, uh, what did you think of this episode? Did it make you want to buy a balloon? <laughs> it almost did. Now this episode is a Saeed flashback episode, which we've had a couple of in the past. It delves deeper into his experience as a torturer, which comes into play in the main island storyline that introduces Henry Gale, who we will come to know more affectionately later. He is a guy who claims that he crash-landed on the island in a hot air balloon. It is the first time we see this guy, which is quite a big deal. Michael Emerson's first episode of Lost, who would become one of the guys that gets a lot more screen time in future. And I just love this. We don't know who this guy is. He claims that he crash-landed on the island. He just stumbled upon this trap that Russo had set, but she claims he is another. And this episode, Saeed is determined to find out if Henry Gale's story checks out or if it's BS. And I love the moment when Saeed goes into the room with him and he sits down and he looks him right in the face and says, my name is Saeed Jarrah and I am a torturer. Just calm, cool. He's just laying it out. And he proceeds to beat the living hell out of him to try and get these informations. But I love that we see Saeed's experience during war times with the military, how they use him to get information. And it's also juxtaposed with this awesome stuff on the island. Uh, Marcelo, what did you think about the introduction of Henry Gale? I... To be honest, I knew that this was coming, and Henry Gale is one of my all-time favorite Lost characters. And the second that Michael Emerson, I saw Michael Emerson caught up in that net, I was like, let the games begin. I mean, Michael Emerson's performance in this particular episode is so, so good. Like you said, Matt, when Saeed finally loses it and sort of gives in to his grief over Shannon, I really felt the dread and the sort of danger for uh, Henry Gale. Although, you know, being that I've seen the show before, I was like, this is just a giant con, to use a reference from uh, our last episode. But I thought that this episode was phenomenal just based on the performance of Henry Gale. I also did like the little subplot of um, Sawyer being obsessed with finding this cricket in the forest and getting Hurley to help him. I thought that was endlessly charming, although I would have preferred a better balance between that story and the Henry Gale story. Finding out about how Saeed became who he is before he got to the island was entertaining to me, but I wish that they would have just stuck with the Henry Gale storyline and the Sawyer and Hurley storyline more than the Saeed storyline. The Sawyer-Hurley storyline on the island was so much fun. Sawyer's so annoyed by this chirping. He teases Hurley, but in those moments where Hurley says, hey dude, 
I may be fat, but you're an asshole. Like, at least people like me. It was just one of those great moments where Hurley kind of put Sawyer in his place after taking so much abuse from this guy the whole show. So I love that. The most interesting part of the Saeed backstory is the introduction of Clancy Brown, who will come back later. So we see his character, and in those moments, at the very end of the episode, after Saeed has gotten the information that he needed by torturing, the American says, like, hey, good job, and then speaks to him in his own language. And we now know that they actually could have done the interrogation themselves, but they wanted someone like Saeed to do it to show his allegiance to a different country. And in that moment, it's like, oh, screw you guys. It was really effective. And it shows why Saeed now is kind of calm and cool in these moments because he knows he's done it before. He's still tortured by the memory of the torture that he's inflicted, but he's at peace with it. The only thing I didn't like was when they dropped Saeed off at the end. It is some of the worst looking green screen that I can ever remember on Lost. Now, part of it might not be green screen and part of it might be practical. But the way that they have the clouds and this road, it just doesn't play. It doesn't look real. It just felt like they were on a stage and they added this fantastic, horrifying background, which kind of took me out of those final moments where we're supposed to be concentrating on what Clancy Brown is saying to Saeed. But it was so distracting because it looked so different than everything else that we see on Lost that usually looks like a real tangible location. So I found that distracting. But the on-island stuff with the is he an other or is he not is the most intriguing. And because Michael Emerson plays Henry Gale sort of timid, but then there's the one moment after Saeed has beaten the pulp out of him. And Jack says, you know, stop, stop beating him. Saeed says, like, I am convinced he is another. He has to be. And Jack is not convinced. And as that door is closing... Michael Emerson flashes us a little bit of a screw you kind of smile that really makes us start to doubt whether this guy is on the level or not. And that was one of my favorite moments of this episode. You mentioned the Clancy Brown uh, appearance in this episode as Saeed's sort of as uh, the person that is forcing Saeed uh, to become a torturer. I completely forgot that we see him again. That actually brought up a whole other question that I had. Where in the world is Desmond? We obviously know that he can't get off the island. So where is he? When you saw uh, uh, this season for the first time, did you ever wonder where in the world that guy went on the island? You know what? I think I must have wondered where he went, but it's been bothering me more now because I didn't remember that he disappears for literally this since like episode two or three he's just been gone so i i honestly forgot that he disappeared for so long because he's in my mind as such an important character to lost that i was quite shocked that he has gone mia and nobody seems to be talking about where did this guy go so that's a great that's a great point it is really weird that he would just vanish into thin air the other thing that i found quite difficult um, as I was watching this episode, I was sort of struggling. What does Locke want to accomplish by pushing the button? And what is Jack ultimately going to do with uh, Michael Emerson's character? And I was like, okay, so you have this guy locked up 
in the hatch. It was like I had a blind spot. I didn't know where the show was going. That was both frustrating to me and refreshing to me, you know? So I guess that's the pluses of not having a excellent memory anymore. And on that note, uh, we move we move on to the next episode entitled Maternity Leave. So Matt, what do you think about that one? Maternity Leave was honestly my least favorite episode of this batch. And it's not bad because I do like that we find out what happened to Claire when she disappeared. We see her with Ethan and the others. We find out where she went and the circumstances around how she escaped and got back to our losties last season. So the flashbacks are not to before the island in her life, but into those mystery days where she was gone, which I did like, but I partly find some of this stuff not as interesting. I really found Emily DeRaven to be annoying for a lot of this episode, more so than she has ever been before. And partly, I don't know if it's that she was playing Claire is kind of loopy and drugged up, but this really stretched the limits of her acting capability for me. And I just felt like that aspect, putting so much of the weight on her shoulders for this episode, she couldn't really support it. I have to disagree with you on one bit. How could you not like this episode? Our favorite evil Canadian came back. Come on. I did like seeing Ethan again. That was fun. But I will agree with you on the fact that Claire's reasoning in this episode makes no fucking sense. It's ridiculous. Her baby has a fever and she starts having flashes about where she's been and and what ultimately happened to her when the others took her off and she gets it into her head that she's going to go to a station and find this cure. I was like, oh, Claire's characterization in this episode really stretched believability for me. I liked it for for what it showed. I mean, this particular station showed uh, where somebody got a particular beer from. And it also showed the Sydney Bristow baby room. So I did appreciate that. But as far as Claire's like, oh, my God, I need to save my baby with this miracle cure. I did not buy that for a second. Yeah, the whole needing the vaccine searching for this medicine for Aaron was the part that left me cold. I did love, as you mentioned, seeing like the costume room for the others with the spirit gum for Mr. Friendly's beard and seeing MC Ganey in that one scene with Ethan clean shaven was interesting because it adds a whole nother level of these others are putting on a theatrical aspect to their appearances on the island, which is so weird and something that we never even thought about before. We wouldn't think that this would be theater. They wouldn't actually be dirty living in these conditions. We thought that they were, and now we find out this is an act they're putting on for some reason. So that opened a whole new can of worms. And I think that, in addition to last week's episode, just at the very end, Locke almost doesn't enter the numbers in time, and we see the weird hieroglyphs on the countdown combined with this. What the hell is happening with Dharma and these stations? is now like a question that has been amplified times 10 because ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs and costumes and vaccines, like it's getting very out there and really weird. But I did love that that room does feel like the Sydney Bristow baby room from Alias when she's on the ship. Those parallels were fun. And the Ethan scenes were good, but also super creepy because 
he's almost falling in love with Claire. And we know that she is drugged and being held hostage. And yet there's like kind of like a romantic feeling in the air, which just felt creepy and off-putting to me every time they were together and he was kind of fawning over her. I just felt gross. It feels like the Lost Riders are kind of just starting to stretch a little bit. And I'm sort of afraid that I'm going to get lost in the minutiae of it all. And I'm not going to enjoy the character moments because all throughout this particular episode, I was sort of enthralled as Kate sort of investigated all those little tiny things. I know I said that this episode didn't hit me on an emotional level, but on a curiosity level, I was like, okay, what do the others ultimately want from our losties? Now, granted, I know some stuff, you know, I thought that this episode did a really good job of presenting us with a bunch of pieces, but not giving us any answers. Yeah, classic lost, double the amount of questions. I did like that we saw Alex, and we know that it is Alex, even though Claire kind of tells Danielle and she gets hope, but she's not fully sure that it's her daughter. But I like that we basically know that it is her daughter and she is living with the others. And she went out of her way to help Claire, which shows that even though she is with the others, obviously she's not totally brainwashed by them, which I thought was cool. My other favorite moment of this episode was the end where there's an awesome scene between Locke and Henry Gale. And this is where you really start to get the sense that Henry Gale is probably not who he says he is and not on the level because he starts to dig at Locke in a way that only somebody who has a broader knowledge of this situation would be able to suss out right away. And he says, you know, oh, I guess Jack is calling the shots and he's the one who's wearing the pants on this island. And Locke kind of takes offense at that and says, no, no, like we're making decisions together. And he plays it cool in the room. But then when he leaves, he friggin' clears that countertop in a rage, mad. Because he realizes, like, this thing between him and Jack that has been escalating is coming back. It's starting to boil to the surface again, where Jack is undercutting everything that Locke believes and wants to do at almost every turn. And John is frustrated with that. And so that final moment where he's angry because Henry has been pushing his buttons was really satisfying. And, like, you just know that they're turning up the heat on that Jack-Locke tension that has been building all year, even more so than in the first season, that's going to lead to some problems down the road for sure. The last thing that I'll say about this episode is I really enjoyed that small moment between Saeed and Charlie on the beach. And Saeed says something to the effect of Jack, Locke, and everyone have forgotten what they have done. They came and they took us all. Have you forgotten, Charlie? So this episode ends on a question. And I just love that aspect of the final moments of this episode. With that, we move to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week, entitled The Whole Truth. So this one is a Sun and Jin flashback episode. The on-island action mostly centers around Sun asking for a pregnancy test because she thinks that she may be pregnant. We find out that pre-815, her and Jin could not conceive a child. And they found out that there were some fertility issues. And so now maybe this is another island miracle 
But also we find out that there was an instance where Sun may have cheated on Jin. So I like that this added more layers to their backstory and their rocky relationship, the difficulties that they faced outside of just the frustrations with them being split apart because of Sun's father making Jin do his dirty work, which they do dig deeper into in this episode as well. But seeing that there were other things that were putting strain on their relationship, wondering when Sun finds out that she is pregnant in this episode, there's a great scene where she tells Jin, and I thought that was some of the best acting that Yunjin Kim and Daniel Day Kim have done on the show. But also when they say it's a miracle and they think that maybe the island has done this because she says, I have never been with anyone else. She also gives a look, a look that could be deception, or could be honesty. So it's very open-ended and open to interpretation. And I thought that that ambiguousness was very interesting because usually Lost, when they give us questions, they're not as character-based as this, where we aren't sure if she's lying to make her husband feel better or if she's telling the truth. Like you, Matt, I thought that this was a brilliant showcase for Jin and Sun. And I really like the fact that when... Sun and Jin finally go to the doctor to find out what's going on, that the doctor sort of blames Sun and says, Sun is the one that isn't able to have children. But then the doctor fesses up later in the flashbacks to where he says, there's nothing wrong with you. It's your husband. He's infertile. And I was basically heartbroken. Also, this episode sets a precedent once we find out that Sun is pregnant on the island. Unusual things happen on this island. And I thought that it was very interesting, you know, before Sun goes and gets the pregnancy test from Sawyer, um, she stumbles out of the jungle after having this big blowout with Jin in her garden. And the first people that she sees are Bernard and Rose. They were on flight 815 for a particular reason. I thought that it was just interesting that the writers of this episode had uh, Sun run into them. Now, maybe I'm putting much into nothing here, but I thought that that was very, very interesting. Yeah, I think that that is an interesting choice and definitely has some deeper meaning than just those were the characters they felt she should run into. In that flashback about how they said that it was Sun who was infertile, but it was actually Jin, and it strengthens how people think of Jin as a thug because the doctor said the reason I didn't tell you is because I didn't want my practice to get burnt to the ground by your husband because I know what kind of man he is and who he works for so again this shows that Jin is trying hard to get out from under the thumb of Sun's father but it's very difficult and he's got a reputation as being kind of this gangster fixer kind of guy which is tough to escape. So that was really interesting to me. The on-island storyline that really kicked off where the rest of this is going to go was Anna Lucia goes in and talks to Henry and gets him to draw a map to where his balloon is, where his wife is buried, so that they can go and check out his story and find out if he's on the level or not. They do not tell Jack that this has happened. So she sets out with Saeed, but they keep this a secret. So I loved near the end of this episode, as we already see that our our Losties are investigating this spot, and at first there is no balloon, 
and they say let's divide up the sections and we'll we'll go through and make sure that this is actually bullshit before we run back screaming that this guy's a liar jack brings henry out to have a bowl of cereal and he sits down with jack and Locke. and that scene again this is the scene that finally any suspicion we have had about henry is kind of put to rest because he says if i am who you guys think i am if i were to give your friends a map they would go there and there would be an ambush waiting for them it wouldn't just be nothing there i would do something to them and my people would be waiting and they'd probably trade your friends for me and the look on jack and Locke's face and then he looks up and he goes you guys got any milk and it's like you son of a bitch i've never hated a character so much so quick as in those moments but also you're kind of impressed like this is like a kaiser soze level evil genius it feels we still aren't sure what the game is but the fact that this guy who's timid and we had our doubts now lays everything out in a super villain way but calm cool past the milk what a badass awesome way to end this episode and on that note i think uh that'll do it for this episode of radio 815 if you guys like the show that we do here and want to reach out to us there are several ways to do that on twitter by just using the hashtag radio 815 or if you don't have twitter you can email us at radio 815 at aol.com and guess what guys we finally got our own private Twitter where we will be doing some amazing stuff in the near future. If you want to directly at us on Twitter, we're at JJUniverse815. But with all that being said and out of the way, Matt, if the good folks want to reach you, what would be the best place for them to do that? You can hit me up on Twitter at Matt Crandall. You know the drill. You can also reach me on Twitter. I'm at uh, CreekFanatic88. Until next week, I am Marcel Nostroza. As always... We'll talk back soon.